0: are you and where are you going what do you want for the next 24 minutes we're going to design and attain your ideal life on the way to wow show together we'll find the ideal path to get you back on the track to success and happiness. On the wait a while show with your host, Kevin Bemel.
1: Remember those times in your life when you wish you had been able to tell the future or at least you had the tools to deal with the changes. I'm not talking about Something simple like, oh, you know, my wife wants to have Thai food after we've been going out having, you know, Chinese food for the last seven months. Something big. Like, you're, you're done with college and you're going on to real life. Or, you've been in the military your whole life and now you're gonna become a civilian. So on the show today, we're gonna talk to a couple of different people who I think will help you with some tools or at least some thoughts that can make that change easier. So stay tuned. How can you improve your life through learning? So Rich made these up for us, won't you gentlemen? Take one, tell me what you think. Thank you. Cheers. 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 Mmm. They smell great.
0: Sweet and perfect the way I like them.
1: Really great. Thank you. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. It's a two-sipper. You'll know what that means. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. I'm I'm going to read your short bios just so I I, I get all the details in. So... Um, This is how you embarrass people who are good friends and and getting to be better friends. So my two guests today are Don Schwartz and David Tenenbaum. Don is Senior Portfolio Manager at RBC Wealth Management in Beverly Hills, where his team, Taylor Portfolio Management, has almost a billion dollars of private client money under their stewardship. Don is also the founder of MVAT, the Military and Veterans Appreciation Trust, and its program, Heroes Linked. Don's been providing assistance and life-transitioning guidance to military people for almost 14 years. Don is an Army veteran, and he belongs to the Ronald Reagan Pacific Palisades Post 283 of the American Legion. He's married to Kat, and he has two sons, seven grandchildren. Okay, pay attention, folks. And he also has an eight-year-old I'm going to make sure I say this right, because it's a dog and my wife will kill me. Bouvier de Flandre. Is that right? Correct. And, and according to my wife, who knows all things dogs, they're beautiful, beautiful dogs. And then after the military, um, David has been in a number of service roles with respect to his fellow veterans, the American Legion, uh, Veterans in Media and Entertainment, and he was also a VA secretary appointee to a federal advisory committee on Veterans Affairs. Um, I can tell you, uh, because I was, I was in the field for a number of years myself, uh, Don and David are really at the forefront of helping veterans uh, transition to civilian life. So, first of all, l- let's start with, with maybe it's an obvious question. Okay, you both served in the military, but, you know, most veterans don't turn around and, and serve their fellow veterans, especially for so long a time, so in Don's case. So, what inspired you to help veterans in their transition to civilian life? We formed
2: the MVAT Foundation, a group of us that belonged to a golf club in West Los Angeles, Mountain Gate Country Club. <clears throat> we, we formed it because we had served during the Vietnam era And we remembered what it was like to come out of the service in the 60s and 70s and the way veterans were treated by the community at large then. We wanted to do what little bit we could do to make a difference and see that that didn't happen again. That was the genesis of it. And it's grown into an organization where the primary focus is, as you mentioned, Kevin, it's on transition. It's on the transition from military life to civilian life. And that's where Heroes Linked comes in and why it was created.
1: And um, David, tell us, what is, what is Heroes Linked?
0: Hey, you bet. Well, I like, I want to piggyback on what Don said. Sure. And your question, which was, you know, we're in the military. It's a very intense environment of both training and mission and, and operations. And there's an extraordinary amount of camaraderie and leadership. And whether we enter as a private or as a, as a second lieutenant, or as an ensign, as an enlisted member, or as an officer, um, there's always a path to success. And when we separate or retire, that isn't always present. It's not like we get a, someone as a, as a mentor or advisor to handhold us or direct us or to coach us on the next steps afterwards. The DOD does provide a, a, a transition program, an official one. It has been um, known to be somewhat short in length. It is being revised, and, and God bless the DOD for recognizing that, of a, that service members need more than just five days to go from 5, 10, 15 years of service to a new lifetime as a civilian. Um, Heroes Link, as, as Don so eloquently mentioned, was, was birthed, was, 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 was given existence to recognize that difficulty in, in hanging up the uniform and putting on a new one as a civilian. And now my focus as, as the program director of only a year now uh, is to really ensure the overall well-being of anyone, whether they just hung up their uniform, whether they're 5 years out or 15 years out,
1: so, and, and, and this is one of the things I noticed when I was working with veterans who were transitioning is that, 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 you know, very clear career path in the military and then you get out into civilian life. It's very chaotic. So, um, when, um, what other key issues do you see with, with veterans who are working to transition?
2: One of the focuses that we have that I'm, that I'm very passionate about Kevin is to try to change the narrative today that hiring veterans is a charitable thing to do. Hiring a veteran is a smart thing to do. Veterans come out of the service with training, in many cases, far greater than a four-year college degree. They develop a set, as you know, they develop a sense of accountability, responsibility, and most importantly, teamwork. You don't get that in college. You know, kids come out, maybe they have more... Learned skills, but they don't have more life skills that you get
1: when you serve in the military.
3: I think that the, the tone of the country, because of the length of the war,
2: and the length of well, it's technically not a war, I guess, but the length of the engagement of of the war on terror uh, has. Taken the country to a point where they're awfully tired of hearing the the uh, blood and treasure that's been lost, and so I think that the government has made a push through the corporate world to hire and, and incented them to hire uh, with the Jobs Act and other methods, and so you'll see companies, large uh, WalMarts. Home Depot, Starbucks, uh, offering people jobs almost uh, in a philanthropic way because they think it's the right thing to do as opposed to the, is it the right path for that veteran to be on. It's just
1: the mood of the country that's changed so much. So one of the things I noticed when I was working with veterans, and, and I think, again, this, this happens... With other groups in transition, whether it's recent college grads or it's a mid-career professional who has to you know, make some kind of job change, is they, they have an identity of themselves, a picture of themselves in a certain way, and making that transition involves seeing themselves in a different way. Um, have, have you seen that at, uh, at Heroes Linked, and have, how have you dealt with that, if you have?
0: Rabbi, great question about identity, both during service and afterwards. Um, Look, we're three Jews here, you're a a rabbi. And it made me think when I was more observant, uh, when I was practicing in in New York. And one of the questions I was posed to us in yeshiva was during Shabbat, who are we? We're not a banker, we're not a lawyer, we're not construction, we're not in construction because those are prohibited forms of labor on, on Sabbath or Shabbat. And so I think the exact same thing happens to a military member. When they take off that uniform, who are they? They are no longer what they did the majority of their time. And for many veterans, that's a very difficult identity transition where they say, everything I've been lauded for, with literally ribbons and medals on my chest, the rank on my sleeve or on my shoulder, the salutes I either rendered or received, everything I did in uniform is no longer applicable or relevant or visible in a civilian space. And so there's a, there is a dramatic um, shedding of one identity and the seeking and adoption of another. And to Don's point, some folks will rapidly launch or latch on to what they can. And as Don also insightfully said, some of those are just temporary jobs. They're stepping stones to a better career. And so I think one of the things we try and do with Heroes Link is to get those conversations between advisees and advisors to say, hey, look, let's take this time now, whenever it might be, to find out maybe where your heart and soul are, maybe where you want to make the greatest impact. Did you serve because you're a patriot and you want to ensure the well-being of this country and you're considering politics are similar, like so many of our presidents and leadership have? Or did you serve for a very technical job and you want to become an IT specialist or nuclear engineer? And so I think our platform facilitates those very candid dialogues where people can explore that in an open environment with someone who's more experienced than them.
1: And, And that's a great note to end this on because you asked one of the key questions for the Way to WOW, which is who are you? That's something that we're seeking to help people figure out. So David, Don, thanks so much for coming and visiting us here on the Way to WOW show. And uh, we look forward to uh, hearing ever greater things with MVAT and with Heroes Linked. So I could spend an entire segment just talking about my next guest's accomplishments. Let's see, TV show host, podcast host. He's a uh, former um, uh, top 100 CMOs in the country. Um, he's also the author of numerous best-selling books. Um, but most people, I find, know him as just plain Jeffrey Hazlett, right? <laughs> you, can, you can talk to anybody in the business community, it seems like, and they know Jeffrey. They know uh, C-Suite Networks. And they know the work that he's done as as basically a genius in helping people figure out how to get their businesses from here to here, or even, you know, I'll go out of frame, right? Even up to here. And and that's what I wanted to talk with Jeffrey about today and, and, and have him share some of his wisdom. How are you doing, Jeffrey?
3: Hey, thank you so much for that introduction. I'm just a guy from South Dakota trying to make a living. <laughs>
1: Well, you're, you're doing well. You're doing well. I know when you Google someone's name, and among the options you get is the person's name and net worth, they must be doing well.
3: <laughs> I'm going to have to Google my own name and see if it's right. You know? But I really don't measure wealth by money. I measure it by the friends that I have, the relationships I have, and certainly what I can do for my family.
1: And, and I think that hopefully you know, people realize, especially over the last several months what it really means to be successful, because we can pursue financial success all we want, but then in the end, we end up, you know, cooped up in our homes with the people we hope we love, and uh, and we get to put that to the test, right?
3: Well, sometimes when it comes to relationships, you find out the ones you don't want to be in and the ones you do. You know, I thought Stephen Covey, who was a friend of mine and we shared many stages together, said it best. You know, really a balance between your spirituality your your family, your friends, and then your business. Kind of like, you know, that teeter-totter we used to have when we were a kid, that four-way teeter-totter. And you have to have a balance between all those in order to be successful. And that's how I try to measure those relationships is in those four key areas. And I thank Stephen Covey for that.
1: Absolutely. And that's that's one of the reasons why I developed, by the way, the three pillars of attainment is to help us keep in mind there's those various aspects of our lives. And sometimes someone has to, one, side, one part has to take precedence over another, but hopefully over time we're keeping this in balance. So okay. let, let me ask you this, Jeffrey. You know, when I started in business back in 1986, you know, things changed. But you, you had time to absorb the change. But over the succeeding decades, it seems like now change comes at, uh, comes at us in a pace that it's, it seems like it's almost impossible to keep up. And yet somehow you seem to not only keep up with the change, but to in some way stay ahead of it. So talk to me about, talk to us, how do you do that? How do you seem to, you know, stay ahead of the game in in a world that's constantly trying to not just hop, skip over
3: us, but, you know, jet plane over us? Well, I eat change for breakfast. You know, I always said in all my books, and it's been a constant theme, change, adapt, or die. In fact, right now with COVID and all that we're seeing and the way in which we're seeing it, you know, really we find that right now uh, days are weeks, weeks are months, months are years, and it's important for us to be able to adapt to that change and drive. You know, I like to say that we all love, all like to have things being perfect, but that's not the case. That so what we have to do is get it done, and then strive for perfect. And then once it's perfect, part of all the things that we have to do in driving that change. I've led a lot of manufacturing jobs. I've been a you know, a Fortune 100 officer at Eastman Kodak, and then, of course, a podcaster, broadcaster. So it's always about reinvention and being able to drive that. And so that's got to be at the core of who you are and your spirit. And you've got to take that forward and understand that that's just the way it is moving forward, even for old dogs like me. So, and I want to make sure I'm understanding what you're
1: saying. Should we be looking to Always be changing things, even though we may not necessarily know, well, you know, this change is going to work. Um, we should be trying out new things, sort of, you know. Yes. Okay.
3: <laughs> okay. Absolutely. You should always be striving for change and mixing it up. Even our relationships with our spouses, do we want it to be the same? Always. It gets boring. So you want to change that. And the same thing applies to business. You know, I used to be a printer. And as a printer, we always had certain rules that you had to follow in order to make the blacks-blacks, the stripes-stripier, you know, all those kinds of things had to follow. But it's always truly about being innovative and driving that continual change. You want to mix it up and make it happen. It's never perfect. You don't have the perfect burger. You want the best burger and another burger over top of that. So you you keep trying to improve the recipe, and you see great chefs that do that all the time. We should be like great chefs and create great meals.
1: So... So then that leads us to inevitably some of those changes are are not going to work, right? They're they're going to fail, right? So then so then how do we how do we deal with that aspect of it?
3: Hey, with most things in business, Kevin, no one's going to die. I mean, we're not operating heavy machineries, we're not operating on people. And we want to keep that in mind when it comes to failure. We're going to make mistakes, and trust me, when I was a CMO of Eastman Kodak or Buying and selling hundreds of companies, I always made mistakes, but by and large, no one was going to die in those mistakes, and that's what we have to keep in mind. You know, we got some great inventors, some great innovators out there of our time. Let's think about Ford. Let's think about. Let's think about Edison. They made many mistakes in the in making their products and being able to create all of those jobs that they were able to create with all their inventions. But, you know, like, for instance, there's this famous saying around Thomas Edison. That he once was asked, of you failed uh, 10,000 times to make the light bulb? Because I didn't fail 10,000 times. I just found 10,000 times or ways to make it better. And that's what we want to focus on. Right now, we're all going to fail. In fact, many people come to me and talk about, oh, my gosh, Jeff, what's your biggest failure? And I say, I don't know. I haven't done it yet. Meaning, I'm going to have some big ones, and I will have some Lulu's, and there's no doubt that all of us will. The focus that we should have right now is not about failure, because you're going to fail. Let's be real clear. Everybody's going to fail. We do it every day. But are you winning? Are you having success? We should focus on getting to success faster because that's really, truly what most innovators want to do. It's not about fail. Fail is part of its table stakes. It's what we are always going to do. What we want to do is have you focus on, on winning fast. You can take the organization to a lot better place.
1: We're both parents, right? And so we look at our kids and, and, and we want them to be, you know, the better image of ourselves and, and the, the temptation is when, when they do something wrong to, you know, come down on them or, or whatever. And it seems to me that that's, that's counterproductive in terms of developing them into the people they're going to need to be to be successful. However, that's, however they define that. What would you say to, to parents who, you know, need to find the right way or or a better way, shall we say, forget the right way, a better way to instill in their children the ability to deal with the world as it operates today.
3: You know, to be a maestro, you're gonna learn to play a lot of bad notes and our kids are gonna do that too. If we were to yell at them every time, they'd never wanna pick up an instrument. So it really comes down to what we're gonna say, conditions of satisfaction. To be able to find a way that we can work with our kids to measure expectations and measure what we want from them in terms of promises. What are their promises? What do they wanna do? What are their conditions of satisfaction? And then how do those meet our own conditions of satisfaction as being parents or being a leader, if you want to apply that to your business. And by doing those things, we can be transparent about where we set what we do. And I think transparency is a big part of that. And it's important for us to be able to lay those out with our children, our, our coworkers, our spouses, and everyone else, because if we're clear in what we want and how we want to be performed, then it makes those levels of expectations even easier to be able to meet and being transparent about how we're doing with those. So
1: unfortunately, I just got the high sign, um, but, but I think that's actually a good note uh, to, to end this interview on. Um, we, I know we could talk for hours and hours and hours, but uh, thank you for taking the time to sit with us here on the, on the Way to Wow show. And uh, I, I, I have a feeling we'll be talking to you again in the future.
3: And thanks, Kevin, for letting me be a little wow.
1: <laughs> You're welcome.
3: Have a great day.
1: That's our show for this week. Stay tuned next week when we have Michael Bruce, the sleep doctor and the go-to guy in America for those people suffering from insomnia and all the other things that keep us awake at night. Thanks for watching. Courage at all times, my friends. Marie, you are still my bell.